Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, and we are back for our year-end awards, the tightest eight hours in podcasting. <laughs> um, what a year, what a season. It's a weird one, this is our first one doing this big recording, not in the same room. Yeah, this is an odd one. I mean, I don't think it'll be, last year it was like eight and a half hours in the same room. <laughs> um, might have gone slightly overboard. Not that I couldn't have done that this year. Uh, there were, I, I, I basically trawled all of my, all of my screenshots folders, all of my DMs to find the greatest of takes <laughs> for this year. Um, over 800 things i think i had at one point oh, that i've winnowed that i've winnowed down <laughs> um see we're gonna have to start doing like um uh like the wwe hall of fame thing and like you know when they have like the bits with where the people that died and instead of it being like you know the also rants <laughs> and just like a little montage the uh the kind of honorable the honorable mentions would be hours long <laughs> i've got rid of some really good stuff as well it's really annoying maybe i'll try um, and make a, maybe i'll try and make a video to put on youtube so it's like the lo-fi beats to chill out and study to but it's just yeah. like chill music and just constant horrible takes popping up on the screen <laughs> that'll be the first youtube on the channel <laughs> and only one <laughs> yeah it's been uh, it's been quite the season for reason treason and sneezing um, we have 10 categories of things I remembered this year. <laughs> um, but first off, as we did last year, it's time for another pop quiz hotshot. Okay. Uh, remember in March, mm-hmm. when due to a combination of Zoom and isolation and everything, everyone got a glimpse into political figures' homes and really didn't like what they saw? Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah. Remember Bookshelf Gate? We're just going to play a very brief game of Guess the Bookshelf. Oh, God. All right? These are some bookshelves. I love these because it was spotted. like a mixture of, like, showing off their books. There was a couple when, yeah. like, at the very start, it was probably at its most organic where you caught some of them out on books I didn't realise. I think it's yeah. like there's, like, a subcategory of people doing um, sort of ghetto iPad stands on their bed to pretend that they don't have the money to, like, have, like, a place a to full, sit when they're fully, a... fully outfitted study or whatever. Yeah, when they're you know yeah. a fucking MP. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it, it did get very, it got very um, generated later on, which is why that game was no fun after like April. Um, yeah, so whose bookshelf is this? Who's uh, whose whose background is this? So you look, you peer through the camera, the okay. webcam to their deepest soul, and you see a history of GCHQ, hip hop raised me by DJ Semtex. And How to Be Right by James O'Brien. That's... Is it an MP? Is it an MP or is it a journalist? It is a journalist. It's Paul Mason. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. Oh. It was actually Robert Peston. Oh. See... <laughs> a history of GCHQ. Yeah, I, I, I find it hard to imagine Peston reads other than, anything other than, you know, <laughs> press releases. <laughs> Uh, next, we have um, an open red dispatch box. Big clue there. Yep. Um, a Pete Buttigieg book. And a set of weighing scales. A set of weighing scales? Mm-hmm. Is it, um, is it Michael Gove? Because he's Ooh, you know, measuring cool. on his coat. Because he can't... Well, actually, no, he can eyeball. Um, it's very, very close. Okay. Hmm. One is it Rishi? No, unfortunately not. I don't think. Oh no, had Rishi a, had a thingy, didn't he? He had a peloton. 
Oh, of course he did. He had a peloton inside his like hyperbaric chamber yeah. because he can afford that at the top of the shard. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, it was actually Grant <laughs> Shaps. Um, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next, we have a book of Matt cartoons and oh. a Newcastle United shirt. Oh. Oh, the book of Matt cartoons. Is it a journalist mm. or an MP? MP. Oh, is it? Hmm. So um, I'm going with, I can't really name them, but it's going to be one of the new Northern Tory MPs. It's not, unfortunately. Ooh. Okay, who is yeah. it? It's Matt Hancock. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> Did he buy the Matt, <laughs> Matt cartoons because he thought they were him? <laughs> Well, they were displayed very prominently as well. Like, you can't tell the rest of the books. And it was just like, you know, where you angle one book to the front? Yeah. Rather than just cram them all on and hope that they stay up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, next, we have catch tw- a single copy of Catch-22 balanced on a windowsill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's so pathetic. Um, <laughs> is journalist or MP? MP. Oh. Hmm. Is it Keith? Close. Do you want another guess? Is it Angela Rayner? Oh, it's still close, oh, but uh, it's it's actually Lisa Nandy. Oh. Uh, that was early on. I think she was just doing it from her couch and from yeah. her MP flat. <laughs> she's um, like, oh, quick, I've got to get a book. Well, she she later, I presume she later did it from her actual home. Yeah. Um, because she had one of those really fancy, like, triangular, like, big triangular bookcases in the background. Like, oh, those are wall. infuriating, the ones that you can't put fucking anything in. Yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't look great. Um, so, uh, next we have um, a political cartoon of himself, a postcard-sized framed poster of the words Carpe Diem, and a meter-wide multicolour clock with a stencil of the Queen. Oh, that's a Tory. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Feels like a young Tory. Mm. Is it Ben Bradley? No. Do you want another guess? No, nah, go on. Tell me. Ah, uh, that was a trick question, unfortunately, but I couldn't leave it off. It was also Mac. <laughs> 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 um, finally... We have uh, possibly the most famous uh, instalment of Bookshelf Gate. Uh, P.G. Wodehouse, Alastair Campbell, David Irving, and Guillaume Fay, who was a populariser of the far-right Great Replacement Theory. Oh, 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 shit. No, I don't know who this is, but I'm, I'm going to go with Govakin. Ah, well done. Yeah, this was the most famous one. This was the, <laughs> this was the stupid fucking discussion that everyone had about... Um, whether he should have it on his bookshelf, and it, originally it was about David Irving, and then someone po- oh, pointed sure, out I remember that. they've got they've got a number of new far right authors on there as well. Yeah, which, not, you know, is it given... that surprising that Michael Gove reads those books and has them proudly displayed? Seeing as you know he wrote one of those books, he did write one of those books. But I feel like it's important that there. I think there is a step beyond like just writing one of those Islamophobic books, yeah. like. When you update your racist theories as you're going, yeah, it, I think it means more. Yeah, it does. Know? But yeah, when you're constantly putting out updates, <laughs> yeah, when you're constantly updating it, exactly. Yeah. So, the 2020 awards. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I got rid of anything that wasn't 2020, so there'll be no um, 
uh, invasion of the capital stuff. Um, there'll be no more recent COVID stuff that I kind of tried to be quite strict because otherwise I would have no criteria for cutting things out at all. This would be <laughs> 12 hours long. Um, but the first category we have is the award for hot COVID takes. Mm-hmm. My brain, my poor diseased brain. Brilliant. Uh, so first off, we have an old favourite, Brendan O'Neill. Okay. So Neil Ferguson, the man who inspired the Tories to lock down the country, has been flouting the lockdown. This raises a serious question. If the architects of the lockdown don't treat it seriously, why should the rest of us? Mm-hmm. There was a lot because, of people angry at that man. Yeah, it's like, because it's not just a cultural flourish. Yeah, yeah. Like, he can't quite move from virtual, virtue signalling. Do you know, in Spikeland, yeah. lockdown is just, it's just another one of their hated moral displays. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, like, him not doing it doesn't prove that, like, you need to go and infect everyone with COVID. Yeah, it's like, does he but think that does he him. think that he told everyone to lock down so he could carry on his affair easier without being caught? Because yeah. <laughs> then all the witnesses would be locked indoors. <laughs> um, second, we have Alison Pearson. Oh. Quote: I will go further. It is child abuse to make little kids wear masks totally unnecessarily and to frighten them by teachers wearing masks. Mm-hmm. They are not affected by COVID. Studies show they don't transmit it. Shame on teaching unions. Obviously, this was when teaching unions were trying to desperately get BPE and, uh, and when teachers unions were trying to, st- to, try to stop dying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those fucking cowards. The thing is, this Classic. is um, Alison Pearson continuing with like. I imagine she's probably one of those ones who has a real issue with um, with face coverings in general in schools. I, it's interesting because, like, obviously, not all of them have done it, but the 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 ones who've gone furthest, Alison Pearson being one of them, have definitely transferred some of the feeling, if not the content, from anti-Sharia, like anti-hijab mm-hmm. yeah. discourse. I'm surprised. that I don't think there's been any explicit efforts to link the two, but it's definitely like, ah, yes, if you can't see their faces, they are automatically frightening. They're like yep. a bandit or a robber. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Sarah does she, Vine. Does, she have, does okay. Alison Pearson appear again on this list? She does not. I had to cut out a lot. Of yeah, because she had some real um, good ones. I mean, she didn't she? Because she, she had was just... the um, the. I'm glad that my. So wasn't it? There was one that she was talking about how glad she was that her child got COVID. Uh, there was one where she was asking people if they, if they know anyone who's actually had it, and then later on admitted that nearly everyone she knows has had it. There, there was one specifically where she was trying to make some kind of big rhetorical flourish about, oh, yeah, no, I, 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 no one I know has had it. And she'd literally tweeted a couple of months before that, yeah, I know someone who's died from COVID. Yeah. It's I like, the, the amount of times these people seem to forget that the internet saves things and that you can yeah. double check things, Raphael Bear. Um, yeah. You know, that you can see that, you know, they've had multiple heart attacks for different <laughs> political reasons. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to edit out that okay. Raphael Bear thing because uh, that's 2021 and is therefore invisible to me. <laughs> maybe, I'll put, maybe I'll put like a, a siren for every time I mention something outside of the window. <laughs> okay, next. Uh, next we have Sarah Vine. <sighs> Quote, we all have to die sooner or later. If I get COVID <laughs> and cop it, so be it. My time has come. Sarah I've had Vine. a good life. Holding Better than most in this world. Cool. My time has come. I'll have had a good life, better than most in this world at any rate. Oh, cheers. Yeah. I certainly don't expect the entire nation to bankrupt itself to save my sorry ass. (laughs) Sarah Vine, 
grabbing your hand, looking into your eyes, do you want to live forever as she drags you into a Brett <laughs> Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> <laughs> she gathers her half a prawn mayonnaise. That's the thing, uh, like a lot of these, the, like some of these takes that came like really at the start, and it was like, We'd been, like, Alison Pearson said right at the beginning, like, our generation me are going to complain about lockdown the first, you know, now they need to learn about hardship and stuff like that. And within seconds, they're all like, oh my God, I cannot believe this imposition that I cannot go to prep. Ah, we were, that will that will come up in one of our later entries, actually. <laughs> Fantastic. That, that very sentiment. I just like the idea that, like, boasting, I've had a good life, better than most in this world. Thanks. <laughs> it's amazing what Cheers. happens when you're, you know, well, is stealing a living. Nation- I certainly don't expect the entire nation to bankrupt itself. Like, you want to save this. Have you maybe thought that other people's experience of the economy and therefore their lives, you know, aside from the things that they love, isn't, mm. like, that great? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe your boasting <laughs> makes you sound like the worst kind of tosser. Anyway. <laughs> uh, next we have David Aronovich. Oh. Over 400 people died of COVID in our country in the last 24 hours, almost in sight of the vaccine. Those who die tomorrow will die with the vaccine already in the country. One hopes that whoever infected them feels it was worth it. <laughs> Does he think it's like the guns in World War Two? In World War One, sorry. You know where like the whole thing was that they wanted to stop World War One on the eleventh of the eleventh yeah. at eleven. So therefore there was like a couple of days of extra and unnecessary fighting. Yeah. And he thinks that's what that is. Um, I think he thinks people deliberately infect other people. They like go out with a distinct choice to do it, much in the same way that someone might, you know, decide to rip him off for a coat. Was it a coat that he got ripped off of? Yeah. Oh, that will that will be coming quite a bit later. Was that, this, yes, was that last year as well? That was this year. Oh, yeah, that was twenty twenty. Um, it's just it's that's this is the other side of the coin as well because it's like. Oh, yeah, no, COVID is a moral failing. I'm sorry, I don't mm-hmm. want to sound like a spite guy here, but mm-hmm. moral scolding about the fact that COVID is spread through immorality is insanity. Yeah. <laughs> and the the awful other side of the coin to, to denialists. Yeah. Um, next, we have uh, Zoe Strumpel. Um, we should be able to access a vaccine sooner if we're willing to pay, just as those who want COVID mm-hmm. tests to travel or for peace of mind can have them if they pay. Yes. When it comes to rollout, the painfully overburdened NHS should be trying to get the private sector to shoulder as much demand as possible. Yes, I can't possibly see a way in which that would backfire. It'll be fine. It's fine. <laughs> the thing is, if she wants to pay for it, I'm sure she can... I'm pretty certain that you can't buy any of the current ones, kind. but I'm pretty certain you could probably buy... like There's the Russian vaccine and the Chinese vaccine, not that anyone ever talks mm. about them. But I'm pretty certain you'd probably be able to buy one of them. They've been making them for a while. Yeah, it's just it, this isn't this isn't just. Uh, I mean, also it's the we. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we should be able to. Yeah, um, and it's like, how much is this? Because the COVID tests are like paying for yourself. They're quite expensive, and I imagine the vaccine yeah. is more. This doesn't just sound like um, an individual pleading to get a vaccine. This sounds like setting up a system yeah. whereby you do uh, regulate and provide health passports for people who are sick and people who are healthy. Which is, you know, you might not. I don't know if you've seen anything ever recently, but, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, next, we have um, Julian Metcalf, the founder okay. of Pretz and Itsu. Oh, okay. In October, he said another lockdown would be, quote, impossible. Mm-hmm. Society will not recover if we do it again to save a few thousand lives of very old or vulnerable people. They don't even the come into Pretz and Itsu. 
<laughs> they have more sense. The young people of this country will be paying for this for the next 20 or 30 years. It's terrible what's happening. Just because France does this with its socialist government doesn't mean we have to. <laughs> no! My half sandwiches! <laughs> Sometimes the cure is worse than the disease. Look, <laughs> you know, those, that wasn't a quote, that was me. <laughs> those um, dark chocolate almond butter bites that you can buy from Prayer are very good. And... <laughs> We could sacrifice an absurd amount of people for the ability to walk into a shop and buy them. I think, okay, look, let's let's approach this in the way that we should be approaching this, which is a matter of power and transitional demands. If you want Pret to open again, Mm -hmm. there has to be a counter demand from unions or whoever to stop selling those stupid half sandwiches. You have to lower prices and stop selling those stupid half sandwiches. And don't force your staff to like be uh, like falsely unpleasant. It doesn't happen to have to happen for McDonald's, and I'm fine with it. All right? Yeah, yeah. That that, 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 that was news. Didn't that come out this year about the, the was, being forced uh, to make be smiley? Yeah, it's one of those things that I imagine happens, but I never realised how kind of sciency and techy it got. You know? Yeah. Ugh. Next. We have Frances Wheatman. I don't think she made much of an appearance last year, um, mainly because I was just sick of her shit. Um, but <laughs> well, there's, uh, just, uh, yeah, there's no point to her anymore. Yeah. But okay, uh, she said, terribly sorry, but as someone who vomits 20 times a day and only what? wants not to die prematurely and to be able to eat without being in severe pain, the complete arrogance and entitlement and immaturity of every person who went to the pub yesterday is fair game. You're all selfish. This was back in July when some of the lockdown had released. Like, look, I, I combed her, her Twitter feed, and apparently she does have some kind of like a uh, uh, vomiting illness, like a uh, 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 syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to take the piss out of someone's health condition um, at all. But using it to dunk on people who wanted to go to the pub well, after being months of not being able to socialise, well, I just don't understand it. The, and it's, it's, it's being it's, annoyed at yeah, people. There's, the the thing is, there's there's only one group of people that you should be annoyed at with people going to the pub, and that is the government for opening up for reducing lockdown. If you know you're yeah. that, if you want, if you're very much of a position of I want it to be you know zero COVID. Um, and the government are the ones stopping that. They're not. It's not people going. I want to go to the pub that have meant that the government have done this, is it? Yeah. It's not their fault. If the pub's open, people are going to go to the pub. They've been locked up. They want to see their friends. If the pub, yeah, if it, the government kept the pub shut, then they wouldn't have gone. So it's not their fault. It's just the idea that you're calling people who want to socialise with other people yeah. entitlement. Yeah, you know. It's it's a very like that's not entitled. That's a again not to sound like a, a balmy like uh, uh, Magna Carta person, but there is a there is kind of a natural thing about wanting to associate with people. I'm sorry, yeah. like it is, and like the fact that she used the word immaturity. Yeah, immaturity is what a teenager says to try and impress adults mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with while they're criticizing other teenagers. A whole career, which is, is that. absolutely perfect for what Wheatman is. It just sums yeah. her up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the next one is uh, no no particular person, but it was um, some kind of idea that came out of the uh, out of the government for how to uh, manage universities during during lockdown. Oh, yeah. They suggested um, quarantined residential learning communities. Small groups of faculty, staff, and students could live together in isolated <laughs> clusters for a few weeks <laughs> or an entire semester without social distancing after testing or a short quarantine. 
And I, I read that, and it's like, did a middle-aged male lecturer write this? <laughs> I was about to say, it's like, there's a couple. Of, I've got a couple of thoughts. Number one, it's like, okay, so you know, you're, you're for, for a start, lecturers, they tend to have to like. I'm sure we've read about. Lecturers read do about have stuff. their own lives. Yeah, like, they have their own lives, but also they've got to teach a number of places sometimes to be able to afford to live. But, you know, if their room and board is being taken care of them because they're being locked up in these prisons, um, then, you know, maybe they can afford it. But also, hmm, yeah, hmm, it just seems like a Look, recipe for a lot of you, abuse. It's not, like, it's not like a significant substrand of, um, like, official canon literature. is basically just this middle-aged lecturer and his affair with the teenage <laughs> student. <laughs> like... <laughs> How dare you? There's no there's no precedent for that at all. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, next, we have Led by Donkeys. <sighs> uh, they set up a website. Um, Boris Johnson refused to fight the virus. He's not Churchill. He's Chamberlain. See appeasement.org for a fully sourced timeline of failure, which then redirected to a, a Led by Donkeys site with a timeline of Boris Johnson's failure. That the the general framing of it as being like a war with a thing that can be negotiated with is quite. But also, like it's the specific World War yeah, II exactly. thing again. It's like it's literally the only historical analogy you have where negotiation was not really an option. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have negotiated your way out of World War One. It was two imperial powers, but. Yeah. No, it always has to be World War Two because it's the only morally clean alibi you fucking have. Mm-hmm. Um, next, we have Nadine Bachelor Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tweeted to complain, coronavirus is bringing out the worst in the left. I get why the left are angry. Everything we warned about regarding austerity and cuts to public funding is happening. But shouting at journalists and accusing the government of wanting to kill off the whole population isn't rational. They <laughs> are! <laughs> <laughs> Later on, she said, uh, I've already had some say I want people to die quietly by posting this tweet. Thanks for proving my point perfectly. Behaviour and rhetoric like this is absurd and is not going to help anybody. We're we're better than this. (laughs) No, actually, actually, no, we're not better than this. Sorry. After the last year or so, the last two years, the last five years, no, we're not better than this because it's all we've got fucking left. Yeah. You know, tone policing is such bullshit. Like, these austerity and these cuts, they were not just rhetorical points to win in an interesting game. It's actually life and death, Mm -hmm. okay? I'm sorry, like, a movement has to be able to elevate rhetoric in response to events. Like, it it brings a movement together. It communicates meaning and solidarity. It isn't just like, oh, no, I'm just listing facts, and then we compare it to your facts, and then we see who's right. Mm. Because it doesn't work like that. Oh, and aside from anything, people were right. The government absolutely yeah. may not be like trying to kill people, but they absolutely have no problem with killing off the surplus population. Oh God, no! Yeah, there's, there's, they've they've made done a cost benefit analysis. Well, there was that. Um, what what show was that on? Where the QC or judge um, described someone as um, their life as being less vulnerable, less valuable. Yeah, it was very recently Lord Sumption uh, yeah. told a woman with stage, in stage 4 cancer treatment to her face that her life was less valuable than others. Mm-hmm. Which, you know what happens. We've been here. We know what happens when this logic, when the, the you know, the little little mouth, uh, what's it called? The What's the Nazi? Little, little burdens. Little burdens, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thousand, yeah. We know what happens when that comes in. <clears throat> and, you know, I would have thought that fighting back against that kind of logic would be a basic liberal... Uh, a basic liberal principle. But yeah. No, apparently not. 
No. Um, next we have uh, someone called Sawyer Miller. I don't know what this was, but it illustrates a point. Uh, posting a picture of empty supermarket shelves um, during the first lockdown in March. Um, and, may, and they were responding to a comment about late-stage capitalism looking exactly like what capitalism capitalists claim socialism looks like. Yeah. Um, and Sawyer Miller had this to say. Get this, though. Supermarkets can call and order more products. That isn't an option in socialist countries. Mm. Yes, it's so easy. In capitalism, you could just call the big warehouse where they keep all their goods mm. and just get more. There's nothing behind it. You just always have a constant <laughs> surplus of goods. Don't bother to think about where they come from or how they're made. No, they're just always there. <laughs> sweet, sweet surplus. <laughs> Uh, next we have oh this is a beautiful short one uh, Matthew Said uh, wrote in the Guardian or the Times I haven't put it down here fuck it uh, is it fair to put lives at risk for football on balance yes next we have Stephen Pollard said in May about the first lockdown I'm genuinely confused what if my daughter is out on her bike sees a series of friends en route and stops to chat. And while chatting, a herd of goats pushes her towards one of them. Who is guilty? My daughter or the goats? The government has provided no guidance. Where does he live? Aside from anything, he's he's not confused because he knows exactly what that is. Well, yeah. Like, I don't get this, like, nitpicking of, like, lockdown things. Like, look, there were a lot of legitimate confused things, like, even down to the police stopping people for, like, jogging outside because they said outside exercise wasn't allowed, which was never part of the government guidelines. But the whole thing about, oh, be two metres away from people, don't meet people, Mm -hmm. fairly clear. Yeah. Like, it's like, if the goats pushes towards her, it's like, well, then she moves back. Mm. Yeah. You know, unless you're going to give animals a level of moral culpability that I don't think you do. <laughs> like, it's, it's, like, uh, it's obviously, yeah, that you're just sitting there trying nitpicking and like, goats are of course, there has COVID to be skeptics, to be honest. <laughs> there has to be like arbitrary rules with all these kind of things. You know, there has to be a cutoff. Yeah. And it's the nitpicking to try and find a way around it to like say, well, actually, look, maybe it could, you know, maybe we should start again because this isn't clear enough. In what world is rampaging hordes of goats that are like just too busy on their phones and bump into you like an issue yeah it's actually it's actually goats coming up to you with um a copy of section nine of the magna carta and saying that actually they have the right to be outside without a mask they do they do um, their flags all yeah. fringe on them <laughs> uh next we have dan hodges this was uh, back in way back in march oh. Still trying to get my head around the fact that there are people on Twitter seriously arguing that the British government should be taking lessons in crisis management from the Italian state. <laughs> just, 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 just like to be a little racist. Just a wah. Just a wah. Also, this was back like right at the beginning. And it's like, it, it's also interesting that like, you know, the, we, the British have a government, but the Italian have a state. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, 10,000 deaths late or how many, ever many thousand deaths later mm-hmm. you know you would think he'd show some kind of contrition but oh never he'd uh, never show contrition never ever he's he's still he's have. still a he's still a classic example like we said in the very first in our very first year maybe the first awards episode yeah consistently wrong if he yeah. says something he's just wrong even if it's inoffensive he's yeah. wrong yeah next we have um andrew adonis mm. uh mm. in april mm. Lots of instant commentary on how COVID-19 will change the world. 
it calls it a crisis of capitalism. Wrong. It's a crisis of communism. It became a global pandemic through Xi's communist regime, China, fanned by illiberal Iran. We need less dictatorship, not less liberalism. I don't, I mean... Well, how did, okay, okay, first... it's been a long time. It's, yeah. You know, it's been a week. It also feels like it's been a million years. How did Iran fan the flames? Of so, he literally, it obviously originated in Wuhan was where the first cases were, were a thing. And then the early, very, very, very early news reports were, were basically that Iran had very high rates. Um, that I believe they still have quite high rates. Um, yeah. You know, sanctions, difficult medical, uh, like they have a difficult health What's system and, and things like that. Well, yeah. Also, like, it's, abso- it's, it's absolute bullshit. Yeah. Specifically, the first people to get COVID were high flyers, were jet setters. Yeah, they're the ones that spread it the, the COVID travelled through the corridors of globalisation. Mm-hmm. This is a capitalist problem. In a communist regime, it wouldn't have spread as far. No, I'm, that's not support for, like, the Berlin Wall or anything like that. It's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, next we have, oh, another David Aronovich. Uh, nice. We'll be free to enjoy the Roaring Twenties. The decade of creative change that followed the Great War and Spanish flu can be repeated once lockdown ends. <laughs> yes. Like, right, two things here. The Twenties were a decade of creative change for about 1% of the population. For the yeah. rest, it was a grinding fucking misery. No, look, he read The and Great Gatsby. Everything was literally Gatsby. <laughs> Everything was gold. <laughs> um, and also, like, I love, 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 because this isn't, this isn't, he's not the only person, like, conservative pundits really love to talk about as if we're going to have another Roaring Twenties. Yeah. Um, loads of pundits want to emulate the Twenties. Um, and, you know, if they're liberals, it's usually they want to emulate, I guess, the Forties, because they want to prove they're tough. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the 50s if they're conservatives, whatever. But all of these people recoil in horror at any suggestion of emulating the 1970s, a decade that was objectively profoundly safer and better. <laughs> it's like, we can't go back to the 70s. Three-day week. Well, no, the no, 20s look, is fine, though. Look you're, just, you, look, you're so wrong, because in the 1970s, there was tinned meats and, um, and you know... More opportunities. Whereas in the 1920s, there was everyone just drank martinis. It's just the fact that, like, the 70s, even even given the worst possible reading of the 70s, mm-hmm. which is the fake one that gets bandied about, that, like, you couldn't get anything done. Yeah. You, couldn't get, you couldn't get your bins emptied. Your dead went unburied all the time for a decade. They were just rotting in the streets. You know, like now, where they're telling people Even that, that there's not like space for the corpses, so you need to, to do stuff 20- with them at home. Like, what do you think happened in the 1920s yeah. in, like, isolated rural communities or urban communities? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Next. Oh, we did have Alice, another Alison Pearson. Nice. Uh, I've come to the conclusion we have lost all sense of mortality. About 10,500 people die in the UK every week, mainly of cancer, heart attacks, road accidents, and very often old age, assisted by influenza. There are 17,000 deaths associated with flu every year. And it's like, yeah, now there are more. Yeah. And that's bad. Like, you never want to reduce death or numbers to a simple a simple numbers game. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's not just about that. But, yeah, more deaths are worse than less. Yeah. There's heightened mortality. Like, that's a bad thing. I don't 
No, that's not losing a sense. That's it. In fact, that's gaining a sense of mortality. (laughs) Next, we have uh, Sam Friedman back in March. Um, I remain of the view that the moment Starmer is elected, hurry up, Labour, we should move to a government of national unity with expert outsiders brought in for the duration of the crisis so that we can get away from politics as normal and focus all energy on saving lives. Uh, He also updated this a couple of days later with, it's now clear that unless something very dramatically changes in the next few weeks, this is going to be the biggest challenge we've faced since World War II. Once the Labour leadership is sorted, a government of national unity has to be considered, with health experts given ministerial powers. So, hang on. Okay, the whole point with the when they were pushing the government of national unity with Brexit was because Parliament was hopelessly divided. Yeah. The Tories have an 80-seat majority. Why would they ever need one? Because you need to bring in all the talents. Because you believe uh... in individual genius that only exists like a rare flower in a jar. And if it is... <laughs> If it wilts, you'll never get it back again. You can't get a person to draft a press release about increased lockdowns. <laughs> you just can't do it. It's not just anyone can do that. <laughs> it's just the fact that with health expert given ministerial powers, it's like, so you're suspending democracy. Like mm-hmm. Again, I, I don't like getting caught in the position whereby I'm going all in on, on like the sanctity of democracy or anything. But yeah. that would be a considerable... like thing to do yeah to given ministerial powers all of these health experts including all of your faves all of your faves in sage and all that all have contracts with GlaxoSmithKline and pfizer and all of those places Mm -hmm. you know they have outside interests Mm -hmm. not to say that they're not being objective about the advice they give but they have business interests Mm -hmm. there's a reason like and ministers do too but you know like there's a reason you don't just appoint people yeah next we have uh matthew lesh there is nothing wrong with retailers increasing prices. Insurers products can be bought by those who value them the most and helps prevent shortages. <laughs> That's why it's good that this all those was... people scout PS5s, because only true gamers will buy them. <laughs> this was obviously in response to everyone panic buying a toilet roll and stuff like yeah. that. Because <laughs> only, only the people that... who truly want to wipe their ass will pay money. <laughs> well, it's why the economy in Mad Max is so efficient. <laughs> it's why you don't want any of these fucking casual ass wipers. <laughs> Uh, we have next the mayor of LA's office Mm. Um, early on uh, in the pandemic we're delivering assistance to Angelinos facing economic hardship during the COVID-19 pandemic starting Monday with our early pay LA program the LA Department of Transportation will offer a $20 discount on parking citations paid within 48 hours (laughs) how generous hurry up hurry up you don't want to miss it (laughs) That's a thing that I've noticed. Steve, he, like, I, um, I go out every day walking the dog, and I still see every day the um, parking enforcement people on their little mopeds driving around furiously, you know, giving out tickets all the time. And it's like, you're not essential. What the fuck? <laughs> um, so uh, next we have Gloria Hannaford, at Wedding Expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, we are not on the back foot here, guys. Why? The government have until the 22nd of July to prove with peer-reviewed scientific evidence that they have isolated and purified the coronavirus COVID-19 by the Cox postulate gold standard four-point method. If by the 22nd of July they cannot show evidence 
that six doctors and scientists who have challenged the government to this, the government must declare COVID-19 doesn't exist and cease all measures, <laughs> including track and trace and testing and producing a vaccine, as they can't prove it even exists. Well, you see, COVID-19 isn't even mentioned in the Magna Carta, so why the hell are we locked up? <laughs> I just, it just rules. Like, Sovereign Citizenry is such low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. but it's so beautiful because it's literally magical thinking. But the it's, thing is, the fruit hangs so low because it's so heavy with deliciousness. It, yeah, you're right. It is the most delicious fruit. So full of sugar. Um, <laughs> next, we have... <laughs> so, uh, on the 13th of March, the Have I Got News For You official Twitter account tweeted... Oh. Chief Medical Officer confirms UK stance on coronavirus, directly contradicting statement from fellow pandemic expert Dave 23981263395 from Wigan. <laughs> oh, Twitter, eh? Yeah, you get it. Um, of course, the funny thing about this was, so you remember in, uh, in December when lockdown four was announced mm-hmm. and it was leaked to a journalist who had lost their Twitter password. Yeah. So her, journal, her, her tag was at Carolyn 64723572. Turns out, have I got news for you? We're absolutely correct about it being announced by a name number string account. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, in this category, we have... What I was going to call it was again too easy to call it the uh, call it after this call this category after this. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Williams and Aisha Hazarika in the thirteenth of March. This was in response to Labour calling on the government to make their scientific advice public, something that you would think no one would have a problem with. Yep. Jennifer Williams said, presumably people with humanities degrees can form expert opinions on epidemiology, more expert than, say, a group of senior professors of epidemiology. And her Aisha Hazarika uh, replied with the reply that will echo down the ages. Yep, I really need some hipster analysis to reassure me. And you know what? Like, yeah, everybody became a, an expert epidemiologist overnight, but I don't think it's beyond the realm of most people to educate themselves a little bit on how these things work. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fact that neither of these people are fucking epidemiologists. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Williams is a, a, a journalist who constantly waxes lyrical about the ability of her profession mm-hmm. to transmit information to the populace in a way that will make them informed. Mm-hmm. And it's like that gatekeeping shit again, yeah. with no with no comeback now, of course, because there's there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Well, what the, f- the thing is, like when Boris Johnson does his announcements and shit, what do they think his classics degree in? It isn't a science degree. <laughs> we can understand just no, as well. No, you, you don't understand. You're supposed to let them do it. Mm. You're supposed to let them read the press release to you, and then not explain it. Just read it ad verbatim. Yeah. I think we know what ones that wins yeah. that one. Yep, which one? It's Aisha Hazarika, obviously. Yeah, it's the one I mean, that it's... it's the one that always think about. <laughs> it's it's the one that I come back to, yeah, more often than not, because also it was very very early. Yeah, you didn't know how this was going. This how this crisis was going to develop in the public sphere, because I mean, to a certain point, like I said, how much is like most people are going to have to be slightly more informed about yeah. epidemiology, the nature of vaccines. That's how you combat, say, like the fake news shit. Like, well, that's also, how you like, combat anti-vaccine. Even stuff. if you don't look at it, the stuff as um as like everyone else reading up more and becoming more informed. If you just look at how much all of them go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards on all their bullshit. 
Do you remember that fucking graph like at the start of the year where if the R rate is at this number, then the schools can reopen. If the R rate's at this number, then the pubs can reopen and all that shit. And that all went right out the mm. fucking window. Yeah. No one has a sense of history. No one has a sense of a public sphere that can be informed. And yet that is constantly what their entire mm. reason for being is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not Aisha Hazarika because she's literally hipster analysis. She's a failed stand-up and speechwriter. Mm-hmm. What does she even do now, other than uh, appears on TV and shit? She appears on TV. That's it. She's a, she's a talking head. Absolutely mm-hmm. fucking useless. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, congratulations, Jennifer Williams and Aisha Hazarika. You win the uh, my dis- my brain, my poor diseased <laughs> brain award for hot COVID take. <laughs> Okay, next up, we have the I Wish You All Had One Neck award for just just the worst person. <laughs> just the worst. Just the worst person. We brought this back this year because I, I couldn't really decide how to fit in people I fucking hated. Because it's, it's, I think it's reduced down. We don't have as wide a cast of characters as we did from well, that's 2015 because, That's because after the December election, there is no need for as many left-wing, left-wing voices punching left. I say left wing, nominally left wing voices punching left. Um, so yeah, this was just. Uh, I think the ones who've remained have annoyed me more intensely. Okay. Um, so first we have Keir Starmer. Let's go away. Do you know what today um, is? What is today? Today is the anniversary of him sending in his resignation with the um, after the Brexit vote, after the Brexit referendum. You know, not not after the Brexit. You know, the, when oh, they did yeah. the chicken remember coop. when people res- remember when people resigned on principle because Brexit was so abhorrent that they just couldn't exist in a party that voted for Brexit. Yeah, that then all voted for Brexit. This yeah, year. I was, know, actually, he, I think three resigned. He was, um, yeah, you know, it wasn't the chicken coop, was it? When he resigned, it was. Um, he, but one of the things in his letter was that you know this is too critical a time to have a quiet voice. We need like you know stronger leadership. <laughs> well, also, do you remember? Do you remember those people resigning was absolutely the end of Labour. And yeah. this time, you did have three front bench people resign, and it was just like, oh well, <laughs> that is the big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Keir Starmer, personally, I, I don't know this. Like, this feels weird because for the, the entire year, I've had, I've had a real difficulty in seeing anything in him. Mm-hmm. Like, I look at him and I look at him speaking, and he's like. Okay, aliens have landed in a remote village. Yeah. And all of the villagers elected him to be the first one who speaks to them. Yes. That's what he looks like. And which is, I think, kind of accurate because it feels like he doesn't, he looks as if he doesn't like or understand who he's speaking to, but he's also not sure who he's meant to be speaking to anyway. You know? (laughs) I mean, every single kind of ever so slight compensation that left wingers hoped for Keir Starmer when he came in has proven not to be the case. You know? Oh, every single one of those, um, what's his points, his, um, his 10 pledges, his 10 pledges, yeah. they're all gone. And like the fact that all of them are gone and not a single person, I, you know, you, it's not a big, it's not a big deal because like that proves that he essentially stole, stole it. He stole that election. Mm. Like I know people who weren't fans of Corbyn, 
but they did like the economic policies of the Labour Party. They liked the direction it was going, but they had issues with him, Corbyn the man. And yeah, they, they voted for Keir Starmer because they wanted, yeah, they wanted the Corbynism without Corbyn. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, obviously, like, very early on, he sacked Rebecca Long-Bailey as, bis- I think she was business secretary for retweeting that Maxine Peak article. Yeah, unacceptable. Um, Again, like, yeah. And the whole thing around, like, Black Lives Matter, he called Black Lives Matter a moment and said the toppling of the Colston statue was completely wrong. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, he undertook unconscious bias training very publicly and then took a knee. Like, there was all of those... You remember all those photos of, like, uh, politicians taking a knee, which is just... All um, of them looked horrifying. That dem- the Democrats know, doing it looked the worst, I think. It's an easy win because they have already said... I mean, again, this is 2021, but the Tories have already put out a um, a video about, uh, like, Labour saying something and um, then uh, protesters appearing. Yeah, Opposition Day motions saying that, you yeah, know, this is, these opposition are disgusting. Day mo- yeah, um, and I've already linked them to, like, protest movements. So yeah. it's not it's not going to stop. It's an easy win. Mm-hmm. All of your liberal friends are, taught, are fucking putting Black Lives Matter on their fucking Facebook abbeys. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's it's won. What they've actually won is, of course, up to debate. But the actual, like, visuals of it, mm. Black Lives Matter won. Yeah. Like, no one's, no one's going against it. And if they are, it's turning into an oppositional cultural thing, which you are not on that side of, and you never will be. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, there was that stuff. Uh, obviously, there was the whole thing around withdrawing the whip from... Uh, withdrawing the whip from Jeremy Corbyn. Well, that's in court where, at the moment, you isn't know, it? He, yeah, I mean, he broke... He not, I mean, he broke Labour rules. Um, he was discussing it all over the media while banning mm-hmm. CLP members from bringing it up. And, like, to be honest, the way I feel about that is... And, and to be honest about the sacking of Rebecca Long-Bailey as well, which is... I, I, I Whatever, like, I don't really care. It's war. Mm-hmm. It's... This is war. This factionalism, but they're better at factionalism. Mm-hmm. It's just galling to see how easily it can be done. Yeah, yeah. You know, also without providing yourself with any cover, because he's just doing it and not providing. I don't think when, he's providing it like an alternative. Yeah. To it. Well, it shows you know how I mean? it shows how easy that factionalism stuff is when literally the entire media are on your side. Mm. Um, and you know, just the endless abstaining, endless endless abstaining constantly being caught on the back foot over coronavirus restrictions shadowing the government and saying you know like i expect schools to be back in a time when an opposing teaching union specifically at a time when again it was an obvious easy win yeah they are going to say that you uh wanted to do lockdown harder anyway they're never going to say, oh he wanted to lock it up he's making you unsafe they're not going to go with that because that's their thing yeah, you have to look at what they're actually doing, not what you think they're going to call you. Yeah, yeah, he's been um, uh, he's been so pathetic. Yeah, and you know, just endlessly siding with like like the fucking it was a small thing, but like the picture of him uh, at the Brewdog Brewery, mm-hmm. like having a pint. Mm-hmm. They've helped in the national effort against coronavirus by making free hand sanitizers. Today, we were here to say thank you. And he's raising a pint with the punk equity scab brewery <laughs> sacking disabled workers, stealing <laughs> ad campaign ideas by marketing fake job interviews was another thing that they did. <sighs> Brewdog. You know, that doesn't matter, though, because it's Brewdog. It's progressive. It's modern. It's stealing people's labor. <laughs> and just like... 
to be honest, like there's not really a lot. Of, there's a lot of signalling going, but it doesn't really seem like they're signalling in order to gauge anything. Like uh, Annalise Dodds constantly puts things out about responsible fiscal policies. They're coming back. Yeah. You know, there's no actual policy attached to yeah. it. Yeah, but, but you know, she like, does say that know, they're, spend, they're wasting money. The yeah, Tories are wasting know, money, and it's like, oh, good, I'm looking all, forward to that. We all know what it means. Having Rachel know? Reeves in any position of power. Yeah, we all know what it means, but also, like, who is this for? Mm-hmm. You lose the left, mm-hmm. the right don't believe you. Well, no, it's the left have nowhere Liber- else to go. Liberals that's the, that's are the unlikely attitude, to... Yeah, yeah. It's like, of course you're going to vote for us because we're the only game in town. Yeah. We can try as hard. I mean, I, I don't even think it factors into their equations because as far as they're concerned, the left are a nuisance. Yeah. Maybe they're right. Maybe they should get out. Maybe they should call their bluff. I don't know. Um, yeah, anything more on Keir? Nah. That's enough. He's fucking uh, shite. Everyone uh, knows why he's shite. Uh, next of the worst people, Robert Peston. <laughs> I have... <laughs> I don't watch his programme, but I I don't think there has been a week that has gone by without Robert Peston being a thing that I have to look at. <laughs> like, I have never seen a man more desperate to, like, dumb himself down and make himself likeable <laughs> to government and to who he imagines an audience could be. Yeah. You know? Like, he's constantly tweeting about, like, like one of his things was... I am not one of those who normally gets mushy about the Queen, but I love what she says about the attributes of self-discipline, of quiet, good, human resolve, and of fellow feeling that still characterise this country. Oh. It's like, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, he's he's gone from being a journalist to a presenter. Yes, yeah. that's, that's kind of what it is. He's a, he's a TV personality now, and just everything is pure benefit of the doubt for oh, the government. It's always, you know. Um, but yeah, like like him constantly just like asking questions on Twitter as a run-in for his show. Yeah. So like the government has just banned schools in England from teaching material from anti-capitalist groups. What would you ban next? <laughs> Rishi Sunak stated that Tory party are going to have to balance the books. How best should we manage the heavy spending caused by the pandemic? Too That's... much bashing, not enough substance. Boris Johnson just called Keir Starmer Captain Hindsight. Anyone got any better nicknames for the leader of the opposition? Oh, it's like that question time um, question of which was was it like um, philosophers say that envy is a source of evil? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? It's like it's like envy is a source of evil. Um, do you think the Labour Party are on the source are envious or something <laughs> like that? Or what's the source of their envy? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's um, just the fucking worst. Which is the best Lord? Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Dance, or Lord of the Flies? <laughs> Yeah, he is. Um, he constantly. I just don't, um, he's I mean, just he's, doing government he's, work. That I could have included a number of people um, in this category, but I think he's been the most consistent. Yeah. Um, like the. Do you remember the Boris thing about where he went to Peru? Supposedly went to Perugia in September. Oh yeah. Um, like, Peston tweeted. So the one of the foremost journalists, news politics people in the country. Downing Street denies the Prime Minister went to Perugia on the 11th of September. Perugia Airport said he did. Read this by Anto Guerrera right to the end and tell me if you can solve the mystery. All very odd. That tone, that yeah. constant one person saying one thing, another person saying the opposite. How do we resolve this mystery? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a <laughs> constant it's like, thing that everyone is, he always acts like everyone is always trying to tell the truth. Do you know what I mean? 
Like, yeah. why would and Boris like, ever lie? Yeah, and like, like so, so the, the, the cap to that was like, oh, apparently the Prime Minister said he was, uh, him and Carrie Simons were baptising their son on that day. Hmm. You can confirm with the priest, I was told. Uh, and so he, he rounds off this, this thing with saying, so he could not have been in Italy then, but how does an airport make a mistake about a PM flying in? That is a lesser mystery, but still odd. And it's like, okay, it doesn't actually matter at this point whether you're fucking providing cover for Boris going on holiday. Yeah. Someone's fucking lying. Yeah. Like, it's like he saw the criticism of the Paxo method of journalism and decided mm. to do the exact opposite, <laughs> which is probably worse. I know I complain about the Paxo gotcha yeah. method a lot, but, like, the opposite is way worse, which yeah, is it's just way more infuriating. stenography. Yeah. Like, and we will, we will hear more about stenography later. <laughs> um, so next we have Suzanne Moore. Um, again, wasn't really sure about uh, including her on here, but essentially she had a normal year until about September, um, producing terrible articles that no one read and and no one really. Yeah, she, for most about. of the year she was just doing a normal stealing a living thing. Yeah, and then um, I think it was in September or October, um, a number of people at the Guardian sent a uh, a letter to the editorial staff saying that they were not happy with how uh, trans issues had been reported um, and. You know, like they, they, it was no one was particularly was named, but said that they felt that they it was difficult to work at a place that had that published such uh, transphobic voices, transphobic views so regularly, and appeared to take um, such a, an illiberal attitude to towards towards trans issues. Yeah, um, Suzanne Moore um, immediately assumed it was about about her. Mm. Um, <laughs> So in this order, she doxed the signatories on the letter, um, started going after them, people like Ash Sarkar and uh, other people like that, um, declined a chat with her editor about the letter, which, again, <laughs> wasn't about her. Yeah. It wasn't. It meant she wasn't named. She waited several months for, uh, expecting the editor to back her up and then quit when she wouldn't and then wrote a load of pieces about how she was sacked. Yeah, for the uh, for you know not being not being politically correct. I was just too out there. I've got too many free opinions. Um, <laughs> immediately, immediately after she she quit, she tweeted, "I felt fucking awful. How would you feel if three hundred and thirty eight colleagues basically bullied you?" But off I went to basically. Amsterdam to do. But off I went to Amsterdam to do a mushroom retreat because life goes on. <sighs> and she did it she, I actually wanted to do a breakdown of her article but I couldn't be asked by the end she's, <laughs> she's a look she's a prominent person and worthy of looking at mm -hmm. but at the same time the countervailing thing is she's not very interesting nothing no, about her is very interesting not at all she's made terrible comments um, and has definitely moved into that mould of gender critical just telling the truth gov yeah uh, stuff and, and this this huge article was amazing because um, she she claimed she was abused from the left, and uh, after she wrote that um, that article where she mentioned about uh, Brazilian transsexuals, oh, yeah. women are pressured to have the body of Brazilian transsexuals. Yeah, she wrote that in like 2015 or something, 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and she claimed that after the uh, after that piece was published, for, for, uh, it was when she started getting abused from the left. It was a taste of what would happen in Labour a few years with anti-Semitism. <laughs> Really? What? 
What? Some nice leaps. When the big row over anti-Semitism happened, it was strangely no surprise. It had all finally risen to the surface. I had spent enough time on the far left to know how the righteous thought, and it's not so different from the far right. In the name of Palestinians, this most elemental racism was more popular. Elemental Uh, racism. um, And, you know, the usual suspects came out to defend her, the freedom Mm -hmm. of speech, free opinion, bollocks, boring shit that, yeah, that she should have millions of pounds for, like, right, farting out something every week from bed. Yeah. You know, and, that, and like, that's not me even being, like, assuming that that's how she writes. That's literally the way, the, the affect she takes on. Yeah. When, yeah. She, when she wrote for The Guardian. Definitely. Um, and it's just the whole thing of, like, oh, I expected The Guardian to have, you know, be more liberal. After all, it's not like I'm writing for the mail anymore. <laughs> she literally wrote for the mail and for the telegraph you know like it's all just a it's just a terrible thing and the idea that it, it means anything larger than itself yeah. is awful and again i am kind of using suzanne more for as an easy way into that person who gets cancelled and has a massive strop this could yeah. have been julie bindle it could have been lawrence fox it could have been any of them but it's feeding into that fucking outrage economy that is way 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 more censorious and effective than anything cancel culture could imagine yeah definitely um next we have boris johnson um i mean what's he done wrong? He's done nothing wrong. Look, I saw the articles. Again, he's had. A, he's got a large child that can paint pictures of faces already. <laughs> that fucks me off so much. That whole um, look at the star child. Look how yeah, brilliant he is. He gets so much help. Like I wasn't going to put him here because I genuinely, I think I still don't know how to quantify him divorced from <laughs> his context. Yeah. Like if this was 2015, if this was 1997. And, and 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 frankly, it's not. But just the way that he governs via kind of half remembered impulse and kind of a vague affect. Yeah. A lot of people put in a lot of stock him to him being this kind of um, what's the fucking Shakespearean character? Uh, Falstaff. Yeah. Falstaffian kind of character. A lot of people have written about that, and I think it's true. I just don't think that is what gets communicated, and especially mm. hasn't been communicated this year, because he can't do that. You know, the, the effect he gives off of, like, that bumbling but well-meaning English toff. Yeah. And it's like, it's a return to the amateurism of the of the Victorian era. It's sort of a sort of a rule by charisma, mm. and it's not half as strong as it could be, could have been. And mm. it's, it's really all that he's got. Yeah. You know, it's this weird bind that, like, criticising him puts you in this weird bind, because it's like... It's all about him. Mm-hmm. The Prime Minister has a tremendous amount of power in this centralised system. And you don't want to go ahead and support things that reduce... You don't want to support the state because the state is the source of all your woes. But at the same time, the state is necessary to control this like, like <laughs> phenomenon, yeah. you know, this crisis. Yeah. It, so it puts you in a weird position as regards... Boris in particular, you're not sure how much he's, especially considering his like his affect and his character, you're not sure how much he's responsible for. How much of this stems from him? Yeah. How much of it well, the thing, is in, like, in a scientific time, advice that he edits? Yeah. You know? In a different time, maybe in the before time it was the journalists were less like this. Peter Oban sort of, mm. he seems convinced of it. But like we definitely do seem in a worse time now, where they one hundred, where journalists one hundred percent just print what they're asked to print all the time. So many of them are working hand in hand, 
with the government that it is really hard to find out. Like, you know when they say, like, oh, it's, a deba- it's an argument between Rishi wanting everything to open up and Boris wants everything to shut down. And it's like, mm. was there actually an argument or were you told to say that so they can carry on being, like, um, winning both sides of the argument so, you know, afterwards yes. they can say either way? Because it, it uh, just drives me around the bed. But mainly, the main thing I can think of that um, sums up Boris is like the entirety of this year and like even with the Brexit stuff is he so addicted to giving good news that it just fucks everything up so much yeah yeah that's the one bit that you can say it's the it's the anomaly yeah because in the middle of all of this like very stern um very desperate kind of shutdown thing the, mm. these bad economic news and you know the 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 paralyzing of the economy basically mm-hmm. the paralyzing of, of of society which like i see like a few covid skeptics saying things like ah this is how fascism starts and it's like oh yeah fascism notorious for wanting small shopkeepers to go out of business <laughs> yeah you know it's 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 that kind of thing with it just think first yeah um but yeah it's very difficult to get a proper read on boris because of the massive media management that's going on and like the reaching that they're doing they're yeah. genuinely they're genuinely reaching to say that his health is the health of the nation yep you know that's, that's, him yeah. him him as this avatar of englishness and 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 in in a very in like cult, it's a cult of personality mm-hmm. like it doesn't come off because we're unused to that i'm sorry but we like we are if you can say one thing about like the British system, it's not used to that kind of cult of personality. Yeah. You know, you can detect it in a second and it's way out there, but they're reaching for it. That's the important thing. Yeah. And I think basically what places him on this list more than anything is the fact that you can be sure without a shadow of a doubt, he will come out of this enormous mismanagement completely fine. Yeah. He is not prime minister right now. He mm-hmm. will start being prime minister once lockdown ends, mm-hmm. once COVID ends. Yeah, this is they just will a restart blip. his. Yeah, they will. Oh, you can't blame anything on him. It was extraordinary times. Yeah. Now he starts being prime minister. Now's yeah. the only time when we remember, and it will just restart like that. You erase the historical record any time there's any kind of any kind of big thing. Yeah, and then they'll be able to talk about how well he's dealing with. Um, fixing an economy that had been shut down for ages or how well he's dealing yeah. with all the problems that are happening because of Brexit. And look how well he's doing. And he had nothing to do with those previous things. Yeah. But, you um, know, you're still, I think uh, the thing that... Uh, uh, of, carry on. Yeah, sorry, come. No, you carry on. Um, one of the things that properly sums up is this addiction to the, the good news, good time boy thing is this thing that we're currently under at the moment, this lockdown, which he didn't call a lockdown at the start of it. This was just an in, in, like a heightening of the tears. They're now calling it a lockdown again, and I think this is the perfect example. We don't go into lockdowns anymore. We're only come. We only come out of them. He's managed to arrange yeah. the language now to be never be yes. the one to put us into a lockdown ever again. We'll only go up yeah. in tears, but come out of lockdowns. <clears throat> yeah, and it, it, the weirdest thing is looking towards. I think we've mentioned this in the prediction episode, but mm. we have a situation now where. Obviously, like the PM being PM always destroys the person in that role. You know yeah. that quote about all political careers end in failure. Yeah. Like no one goes anywhere from being prime minister. You know they're not. Most prime ministers allegedly are not supposed to look forward to the speaking circuits, the directorships, the strictly appearances that come mm-hmm. after a political career, right? Mm-hmm. But now you have a situation where both personally for him, and for as the culmination of the political spectacle. You have a situation where you can't see past Boris because 
the press and all the other forces have gone all in on him as the realize, realization of Brexit spirit, Englishness, whatever it is. Yeah. And secondly, you have a man who clearly is looking forward to not being prime minister anymore, who does not give a shit yeah. about the fact that the post PM career of obligation free money and respect is waiting for him when he finishes. And that's a really weird, dangerous situation to be in because mm. you can't, you can't plan for that. You're going to get another Theresa May after he goes, whether it's this year, whether it's yeah. four years, whatever. You can't see past him. There's no obvious progression past him because they've gone all in on him. And, it is. And yeah, go on. He's desperately dangerous for that reason. It is interesting to see the difference between like him and Trump. Because like, all the talking about, like you know, there's always talk of similarities and stuff like that. But Trump mm. flat out refusing outright to like give up any kind of power that he just desperately, like this is a desperately bad thing for him. And Boris, yeah. you just imagine him going, you fool, you're about to get to the best bit. Except, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's the awesome bit. How much fucking money has Tony Blair made? Oh God, so much What's money. So he's made so much money is... now that he's bored and wants to come back. Oh God, yeah. What is uh, what's Gordon Brown's life like? I imagine that's pretty all right. Oh, that's probably pretty sweet. You know, that's pretty sweet. John Major, fucking hell. I mean, he gets to do he gets to do the whole Davos thing as well because he was um, he was already like a member of like the Carlisle Group and stuff. So he mm. was well in with US elites as well. And that's where mm. the real money is. Yeah. You know, Gordon Brown. I can't. I mean, he probably has a few directorships here and there, but fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Next up, we have Matt Hancock. Nice. A um, serial disaster. Yeah. Um, what's the highlight for you for Matt Hancock? And I think the highlight for me, and it goes hand in hand with, like, again, with the media being a bunch of assholes, um, that moment when Matt Hancock was smiling on TV and everyone and all the people in the media were telling us that he was crying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, I, mean, I don't it, like to use the term gaslighting with a lot of the media stuff, but yeah. it's like, but the man's not crying. He was giggling. Yeah. It was, trying it's, to cry. It's, it's so perfect because he's like a he's a perfect middle middle manager in that he recognizes the extra things you have to do when you're a politician. You can't just yeah. come in, schedule the reports, do like an end of an end of end of year drinks yeah. and like go away. No, you have to you have to do it from the heart. But he yeah. doesn't have a heart. He no. he has a process, he has a he has a mechanical thing. He's such a fucking mediocrity. Yeah. I mean the highlights, uh, let's see, uh, lockdowns, yep. track and trace, PPE, yeah. the tier system, panic buying, endless, endless, mind-boggling amounts of money and contracts to friends and Tory donors, or just straight people up disappeared. People down the pub. Consistently blames people for not following the rules about while lying about his own inflated efforts to contain the virus. Um, there was one point here, Rosina Allen Khan uh, questioned him in Parliament, and he essentially told her to watch her tone. Um, <laughs> Fuck. After that, he retreated and let a junior minister answer questions, where it turned out the reason that the UK hadn't joined an EU-wide procurement scheme was that the invitation had gone to the wrong email address four times. Fuck. Uh, the COVID tracing app... Look, it, the thing is, that's hard. The, the thing is that you can't really oh, sorry, blame for sorry. that. I have multiple email addresses because I've got my email address for for the you know for people that want to talk to me, and I've got my email address that's like for more boring things like you know for where they send the password to for Crunchyroll or whatever I forget it and things like that. <laughs> so maybe it was just going to the Crunchyroll account. Hugh, yeah, Hugh, you got an email for the <laughs> EU EU procurement scheme. I did, but the Department of Health didn't. Yeah, like. 
we seem to have forgotten that that COVID tracing app, you remember the NHS app that with the track and trace app? That was talked up from the very beginning of this. Yeah. It didn't actually appear until September. September was yeah. like three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. It's only been active for that long. You know, there was the, um, the test target was a famous one, the 100,000 oh. test, tests a day consistently missed only for when he was um when he was questioned on it he changed the counting method yeah. he counted tests that had been sent out but hadn't been returned oh. and there's some and again this is like this is like again like boris where i don't have enough information to go on about whether he wants different measures or he would be more efficient but is stymied by cabinet blah 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 yeah it doesn't really matter you know yeah it was um it was also the all year we had um because james o'brien likes to have a favorite tory um, yeah. Because that is a liberal is want their want is to always yeah. have a favorite Tory, and Matt Hancock was his was his go to guy for a while after Rishi Sudak, um, and he was constantly saying like I just think he's I just think he's good I just don't think I he's just a sociopath. Think he's neat. Yes, it was literally that, and it's like it was last year, wasn't it, where um, where he was spreading that lie about um, being attacked. Uh, it was. I was mean, it to be honest, it was more. It was. It was more the BBC. So, one of his people was uh, nudged with an elbow. No, he walked into an arm. He walked into an arm or something, and I don't know how much it was magnified by him or how much it was magnified by the news media, who was desperate for momentum mobs rampaging through Jewish areas. Yeah, but it, it it certainly was him who was the, at the centre of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm. Um. You know, and you can get a measure of the man by um, so so. Obviously, people were looking out for any hint of like lockdown hypocrisy, mm-hmm. um, and he actually had one of those events in October. Reportedly, after a vote um, in the House of Commons, he arrived at the House of Commons bar, um, ordered a glass of white wine. Uh, this he was drinking after ten o'clock, which mm-hmm. was against the rules. Um, he apparently ordered a glass of white wine and joked, the drinks are on me, but Public Health England are in charge of the payment methodology, so I will not be paying anything. See, that's like the that's the measure of the man, that wonkish joke, yeah. you know, that like, I've been in politics too fucking long and I cannot think of any context outside of this. Oh. You know? Yeah. Um, and like I say, like he's a massive bungler, but unlike Boris, it's it's probably likely he can and will be sacrificed in the event of any any kind of fallout from this COVID thing. Oh, so, um, even if everything had know. gone perfectly, even if all of our coronavirus stuff had gone perfectly, to make sure that the core people don't get the blame, the health minister yeah. was going to be gotten rid of. Mm. There's no core to it. There's no There's mm. no core to his advice. I mean, he threatened to ban outdoor exercise at one point. <laughs> and, oh, and he voted against extending free school meals when mm-hmm. that came up as well. You know... There's no particular reason for him to be in that position, but mm. he is. You know, mm-hmm. that's... Uh, again, I don't know how it stands up on this list, but I couldn't really go without uh, including him. Yep. And finally, for the worst person, we have Priti Patel. <sighs> she's, um... Uh, oh, it's annoying because she's done some more shit now. Yep, yep. So, Priti Patel... Yeah. Asking so so towards the end of last year, there was an article asking politicians how they got through uh, the year <laughs> of our Lord twenty twenty. Yeah, it's been, you know there was the usual. Yeah, hanging with the family. Yeah, you know. Oh, I really enjoy my charity work. Uh, Michael Gove, tea, toast, marmite, and take that on Spotify. Yeah, you know the standard. Uh, I'm just like you stuff. Until you got to Pretty Patel when she said, "Showing the perpetrators a crime that they have nowhere to hide, joining our police on early morning raids." <laughs> Reminded the criminals that were coming after them. 
supporting our front line and watching them keeping us safe has been humbling. They are the real heroes. Um, all right. Demanding that instead of <laughs> clapping for carers, we should all put our money into a giant police signal that we shine into the sky once a week. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't just speak to her viciousness, which is yeah. rampant and well-documented. Yeah. But also her obvious ambition. She can't mm. talk about anything other than that. You know, she won't allow any weaknesses in there because, yeah. let's face it, her personal financial dealings could probably do with a certain amount of probing. Yeah. Um, some highlights from Pretty Patel this year. Uh, she was accused of bullying civil servants and trying to force out her own most senior official, which led to him suing the government. Uh, that's reporting this September, I think. Uh, sought to introduce lie detector tests for use on those convicted of terror offences on probation. Nice. Uh, polygraphs are inadmissible in British courts yeah. and are largely bullshit. Yeah. Um, she was asked on the on the BBC's breakfast programme about the ways in which businesses might be able to deal with staff shortages under the government's new immigration system. She said, we have over 8.45 million people in the UK aged between 16 and 64 who are economically inactive. By economically inactive, she meant students, long-term sick carers and people who have retired before 65. Yeah, sure, stick that one on the manifesto. Well, no, she'll just run around she'll yeah, round them up yeah. like the child catcher but <clears throat> for people who are, long, who are like long-term ill. Did you get the lasso? Yeah. Um, she asked officials to explore the feasibility of constructing an asylum processing centre on mm. Ascension Island, Ooh. a British overseas territory more than 4,000 miles from the UK in the South Atlantic. <sighs> For migrants coming to Britain, the thing is there as well. It shows that it shows how like bad she is at her job, because you don't have to put it that far away for British journalists not to bother looking at it. They've got them in this country; they never bother looking. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the summer, she was all over the uh, supposed Atlantic migrant crossing crisis, whatever it was. Of course, she was. Um, she appointed a former National Crime Agency executive, Dan O'Mahony, as the UK's clandestine channel threat commander That's, to make oh, the channel route name. unviable for small boats. Um, the aesthetics of a military operation with all the all the trappings, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it doesn't. That's not how that works, you know. Yeah. She even said the Navy may be used to uh, deploy floating booms to block the way for migrant dinghies or stop boats by clogging their propellers with nets. Remember when they were trying fucking when they were buzzing them with planes this summer as well? Yeah. Fuck yeah. This fuck. Um, she uh, she got all Brexity accused France's border force of deliberately allowing migrants to make the crossing, and has now threatened uh, and had threatened to deploy the Royal Navy to tow any new arrivals back to France. Okay. Um, uh, When it was clear that um, her migrant deportation scheme was uh, floundering because most of the people being deported were not allowed to be, she started tweeting about activist lawyers and lefty lawyers frustrating their removal. Yeah. Um, And she also tweeted on in October uh, talking about the 39 people who lost their lives, quote, in horrific circumstances at the hands of ruthless criminals. Uh, She was referring to the 39 migrants who died in the back of that lorry in Essex. Um, When the trial was ongoing, um, so she prejudiced the trial of those responsible. Yeah. Uh, Other things, she toured a police station in Bahrain where activists had uh, documented that they had been tortured. Um, And later on in this year, she put out the idea that the death penalty may be reinstated. Um, It was largely sidelined in official sources, and there hasn't been much talked about, but it was picked up by your Kelvin McKenzie's, your your other right-wing kind of outliers. And 
I mean, that last one shows why she's just, she's so dangerous and so repellent. She's just, she seems to be one of the few Tories who feels completely free when she's given any power. She feels completely freed of the need to please anybody. Yeah. I mean, she's got like an 80 seat majority, literally every media outlet still in, you know, PTSD over Corbyn. Yeah. Um, they they can do anything and she's the obvious step further down the road. Yeah. You know, everyone else that you could think of who was going to be a prime minister after Boris, everyone else is like a maintainer or at least doesn't go really deviate that far from a basic right liberal approach. They can yeah. be authoritarian, certainly, but they don't take that extra step. She doesn't seem to have any caution, any no, qualms whatsoever all. about recommending the most reactionary, the most authoritarian police state shit. Mm. Um, and of course, yeah, there's always the appeal of you know racist dads being able to vote for an Indian woman, yeah. and a child of a child of refugees, no less, um, proving to their kids why they're not racist is probably enough to get her the leadership, you know. Um, yeah, so that's the worst people. Oh God, I think it's her. I think it's her because the other ones are like they're bad people. They are bad people, but she's like. She's not been evil. as she's not been as prominent this year, but she has absolutely no morality to her at all. Yeah. By that I mean she would say she's the most moral one because mm-hmm. she is she has she, they all call her Tebbit. She you knows she's the new Norman Tebbit. Yeah. And Norman Tebbit is just insane. Yeah. Like Norman Tebbit had no had no idea of consequences. He's the most. I would say he's one of the most. Like for, <laughs> to borrow the old Tumblr thing, he's the most first world problems yeah. of things because he has never like him and, and, and Prince Patel in her political career have never experienced what it's actually like to have consequences to this authoritarian police state stuff like the reason why they don't institute it is not just because of morality it's because they know there'll be a backlash hmm. and the backlash against the some of the stuff that the, the way she would run a country yeah. would be way worse yes. but she hasn't got that sense she's just got the sense of kind of being in this degenerate Tory environment where everyone's a fucking fascist yeah yeah, because like, I was thinking maybe Hancock, but no, she is worse than him. Like he's caused more fuck ups. But I would say between I I would say it's still between. I mean, um, Kia is just a nothing. Robert Peston is uh, Robert Peston and Suzanne Moore are emblematic. Mm. Yeah, that's why this was quite difficult yeah. because there are a lot of people who are equally as bad or worse than those, but they were more emblematic of a worst trend, which yeah. I didn't I didn't do a worst trend this year. Um, but yeah, I think it's between Boris and, and, and Priti Patel. I probably agree with Priti Patel because she's she is she is literally Tories unbound, <laughs> like Britannia <laughs> unbound. She's, yeah, she's yeah, or Tories unchained. Yeah, it's her. <laughs> Yeah.